0: For the distance kids, it's, most of them uh, have never touched a weight. Um, you know, most of those kids, have, during your phys ed classes, they're, you know, out playing the, the team games or the individual games, whatever's going on. Uh, some do partake in the weight room, you know, but the introduction is like the key. Because most of those kids, if you get them as a, a ninth grader, you know, they, they don't even know what a weight is. They don't know how much a bar weighs. So You, you gotta go through the whole, introduction part of it where you're you pretty much starting from ground ground zero with that right? so like the first day um i know for indoor but we've been doing the past couple years and it's really worked um, we'll do three or four days where practice is just demo coaches will man a station kids will perform the exercise with no weight on the bar Fortunately for us, we have a couple 35-pound bars, which helps some of the kids out, right, so they're able to at least lift the bar. Like, 90 minutes of straight running, you know, if you're doing it at a good, that, that taxes the body, you know, that's the same as doing, like, workouts like I was just saying before, where that, that body needs time to repair. You know, they might do some, some like, dynamics or core or hip strength the next day, but trying to get them off to do some, some rehab and some rehab to come back the next you know, in like two days and then you can really be a little bit more energized a little, a little more recovered it, where you benefit uh 135 and they're going to work up to 185. Whatever um for the lower level kids they'll do some body weight stuff um you know the dumbbells or the, the actual bars are too much for them uh, we have those machines, like I said, and then we, we have band work, too. You know, we have uh, resistance bands, and then we also have bands that they can do some upper body and lower body work. But then we go to the weight room, and it would be, all right, hey, we're going to do some bench, we're going to do some clean, um, and then we're going to do some, you know, auxiliary stuff, and it's going to be a speed bank. You know, and that's how you kind of pair it, try to balance it all out there.
1: Yep. Their sport-specific training and the general-specific training, making sure that they overlap and can be beneficial to the athlete. Right. For, you know, it does. It never fully goes.
2: podcast. You
1: know, on a on a straight climb, when right? it's more of a a wave.
0: Hey, this is Joe Cahill from Kingston, New York, Kingston High School, Tracking and Field, and cross-country coast. You're listening to the Iron Dread Podcast. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving, and be well in be safe. Go Tigers!
1: Welcome back, folks. This one is episode 47 of your favorite weekly podcast that's brought to you by yours truly, the Iron Dread Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris Whitaker. This one, as we said, episode 47. It's the week of Thanksgiving, the week of Wednesday, November 25th for this episode. Uh, we have special guest Joe Cahill coming in today from Kingston High School in Kingston, New York. I love having former co-workers and teammates on the show to share their stories and experiences with you on how they've uh, gotten to where they are in their particular field. All these people, I think, have great stories to share and, and Joe is one of them. We spent a lot of time working together and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll learn more about, about Joe, have some fun with our speed set questions um, and learn kind of what he's doing from a strength standpoint for his distance runners. So for those of you that are Distance athletes or coaches, and uh, you're you're wondering how strength training is being used uh, to, you know, help a distance runner be more effective at their sport. You know, sit right in and uh, and check out this one here. When you hear from Joe, uh, he's had some very successful athletes across cross country and track and field in the New York area, which is very competitive in track and field, and uh, you get to hear of what he's doing but before that I want to remind everybody to give us a follow if you aren't already following us and subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast platform apple podcast spotify google play stitcher any major podcast platform you can find the iron dread podcast especially on our host platform anchor also follow us on social media at IronDreadPod. pod give the the profile i follow to keep up with the episodes uh each week for everyone anything we got going on anything exciting we got going on with the show uh our audience is growing uh each week here we're, we're reaching out to more and more people and more and more countries we now span eight eight different nations for the iron drip podcast so thank you to all of our international listeners as well hopefully you checked out last week's episode with Travis Atkinson, firefighter, emergency responder, and ER tech, as well as an educator. Uh, that was a great one. Uh, episode 46 last week with Travis. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and check it out. Um, we have a ton of, ton of episodes in the archives. This one's number 47. We're working towards milestone uh, 50 episodes of the podcast coming up in a few short weeks. So... Folks, without much further ado, I give you episode 47 with my friend, cross-country coach, track and field coach, phys ed teacher, all-around good guy, Mr. Joe Cahill. So here we are. We're back live to record from the Sanctuarium of Strength. I'm sitting here talking with a friend of mine from our, my days in New York and coaching track and field. He is a physical education teacher. He is a track and field coach and cross-country coach at our alma mater, Kingston High School. That is Mr. Joe Cahill. Joe, welcome to the show. Ah,
3: glad to have glad you have me. I uh, want to have some fun today. Uh,
1: we, we, we talked about doing this for a while. Had some, some other track coaches. and you know, Tim Somerlad was on a few weeks ago. Tom Fossil was on. Um, a yeah. few weeks ago, and I said, you know, I, and, and your name always came up talking with those guys, so I said, you know, you know, I've been meaning to get Joe on, I've been meaning to get Joe on, now we finally are going gonna, are gonna make it, to make it happen, and talk a little track and field, and learn a little bit more about you here uh, on this episode for our listeners. Sounds good. So, uh, we kind of always start out with, you know, what, what's your story? You know, how, how did you wind up, you know, where you are right now, coaching track, at Kingston High School and teaching phys ed? Uh,
4: well, I grew up playing, you know, your sports,
3: you know, basketball, baseball, soccer when I was younger. And then as I got older, it was more, you know, baseball and, and basketball focused. Um, and then that kind of like ran, ran its course. Uh, you know, freshman year, I played um, baseball uh, for Coach Laughlin. Um, you know, so that was, that was a, a good, a great experience learning in the team environment and being, you know, one of your first organized, uh, athletic programs. Um, and then sophomore year, I actually didn't make any, uh, of team. So, you know, I was, I was a hater on athletics at that point, you know, it's the coach, it's this and that, but you know, when I, when I, when you reflect on it, you realize I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do any off season. I didn't, I didn't travel. I didn't you know do any of that stuff. Uh, junior there year I got, Involved in indoor track, um, one because my mother said I needed to have something to put on my college resume, um, and I didn't even know I was going to college. So um, you know that, that was a eye-opening experience right there. So, uh, and I believe it was like re- that spring, I ran a mile in gym class. You know those six laps around the pavement bus turnaround. You know dodging school buses and and. Uh, car teachers cars in the way way in and out uh and and I I thought I did pretty well and I I remember asking coach Laughlin on the way in I told him my time because he asked I said do you think I should run cross country and and I remember to this day he was standing on those on those steps remember when you used to go up to the the top of those concrete steps and you'd go into the field house Mm -hmm. I told him my time and I said you think I should run cross country and he goes hell yes like that you know and and uh (laughs) That kind of transpired, you know. That summer, uh, you know, I did indoor that year. I did spring track that year, and I had some really good friends, um, and I had a great coach too. Uh, coach Harney was my coach. Um, coach Mace was ended up being my coach senior year. So you know, I, I was I was fortunate to have some great guidance and leadership ahead of you, and plus you you know you build that camaraderie on uh, on those teams. You know, you, anytime you're involved in athletics and especially in cross country and track and field, you know, you have guys of different abilities that are able to contribute to a team. Uh, whether you're number one or number seven, you know, there's, there's, there's a varying different variants of uh, or a variety of different, you know, abilities there, but guys still are able to, you know, give some sort of effort to help the team. Uh, then senior year uh, before senior year, I actually went to a running camp in Michigan. Um, and one thing I learned while I was there, it was in Wellston, Michigan. Um, I'm not sure if you know where that is, but if if you do, this is what I learned. It's it's over here. So <laughs> I learned that people use their hand as a uh, an imprint. Yep. So my my thing is like when I came back, I was like, well, this is New York, and I'm from here. So. <laughs> uh, but I went to that camp. Uh, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed running. I really got involved in running. Um, I, ins- I knew the, started learning the physical parts of it. I didn't really know the mental parts of it. And the, you know, I, I thought everything just revolved around those two hours, two and a half hours when you're at practice. Um, now that you reflect back, you're like, wow, I did, I should have, if I did this, if I did that, if I did this, but you know, those are the things as, as you grow up, you try to, and you become a coach, and try to instill that in your, you know, your roster at this point. Like, hey, you know, these are the things that I, I didn't do that might have cost me opportunities. I'm trying to get you guys and
4: girls to do this to give yourself more opportunities, uh, for the future. Um. Then I went college. Um, I went to Adelphi down in Long Island. Um, I had a great experience. I had some
3: great head coaches there. Um, I had a lot of head coaches there. We went through like a revolving door, probably. uh, I think I had five or six different head coaches between the the three seasons. Uh, Had a really great time there. We had some success as a team. We were in a smaller conference. Um, And it it was just, it it really kind of just snowballed. You know, I really just evolved into running. And it was never something that, that I thought was going to be, uh running you know i was always like more of the athletic type and it's not to you know denounce or demean uh track athletes or runners uh but i liked more of the physical stuff uh, you know the baseball the basketball the football um and when you had a nickname of the turtle when you were in middle school you really never thought you'd be on the track you know uh winning winning some trophies or setting school records and stuff like that uh, and then it went to you know once, once I graduated, I went to KHS and I, uh, you know, interviewed there a couple times. And I think I interviewed three or four times before I got the teaching job. Um, but before I got the, actually got hired, I was uh, coaching at Antioch in uh, 2005. And that was my first year. So, you know, I graduated high school in 2000, graduated college in 2004 and in the following fall. Uh like two thousand five, well that could be like eighteen months later. I was uh working at Ontiora with uh Pat Burkhart. You know, I came in and I was subbing up there because I was just I was subbing between Kingston and Antiora, whoever called. Um, and I walked in the gym one day and he was like, Hey, what are you doing this fall? And I was like, nothing. He's like, You wanna coach? And you know, and that's kinda how it started, you know, is it so that summer, that was uh at the end of the, the spring. So it was like, oh Oh, end of 05, I think I subbed it down and uh, coached cross country with him. And that's really where I got my my roots. You know, I, I learned a lot from him. Um, he, he showed you structure. He showed you, you know, he, the one thing I learned about from him is how he spoke to kids. Um, he had a way to connect with kids, he had this communication that seemed to always work. Um, he was very soft spoken um but he knew how to you know create an environment where there was where there was discipline and structure and it wasn't just you know he was always soft-spoken like the kids knew what was going on and I kind of kind of adopted that and uh, and then that was two years I mean I I still coached there when I was hired at Kingston then I ended up coming to Kingston when there was a track job that opened up so I, I started coaching indoor there that's been ground running so I think 15, 16 years coaching all three seasons. It's, uh, it's been, it's been great, you know?
1: It's it, it definitely that, that indoor uh, cross country, indoor, outdoor. It's a, it's a long, long stretch. And, you know, we talked about it with a lot of the other guys, you know, track guys, like you spend, I mean, for you, the fall's a little bit different, you know, when they're out there, you know, outside running for cross country, but then November hits and you're, indoors, outdoor and you know, november to june. Uh, and for you, I mean it's really the whole whole year you're working right. with a lot of the same kids.
3: Yeah, you, you know, you, you uh, our program really starts we always start the monday after 4th of july and it mm-hmm. starts with, you know, optional workouts, you know, and, and I know kids have busy schedules and I you know, I, I you, you try to understand that and empathize with those kids that, like hey, they need a summer too. So, you know, you try to give the best opportunities, but you also want the best out of them. if You know, they're going to be serious about training and trying to run and compete. But, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, since I've been here and even when I was at Antiora that, you know, cross country ran into indoor and indoor ran into outdoor. And by the time outdoor was done, you know, after the state meet or nationals, you're already at the end of June and you get about, you know, 10 days to two weeks off and you're like, oh, here we go again uh you know, the the great thing about that you know one of the rewarding things is when you you have a kid for four years or six years you know depending on their ability level um you know you don't get that in many other team sports you know you don't really get a seventh grader that plays on football or basketball or baseball for six years you know you might have that in some small schools but you know you get a kid and you're around them you know three hundred and 40 days a year 330 you know days a year and you watch that kid mature and grow into a you know a great member of the community a a leader you know and you see him go off to college and graduate and all that stuff so I mean I've got kids that
4: uh, geez they're probably 30 now 30 you know something like that 32 that I've coached and you, you know, you see pictures
3: of them with their kids or getting married. Like, you know, it's 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 a it's a really full circle, and it, it means a lot. You know, you you build those bonds, um, especially with the time you spend. You know, you, you know those twelve, fourteen-hour days on a Saturday where you're you're with the kids. You know, you you really are a piece of the an extended family.
1: I mean, you have to spend so much time with them on those days, and a lot of it, a lot of that time is spent in the bleachers sitting there and just conversating with them in between you know, races and when they have to warm up and, and all right. that stuff. So you really like it like no other sport, I think, with track and field, we really got to know our kids the most. And there's a part of me that misses that right? because you get into it where it's like you build relationships with kids. That, that's why guys like us do this right? because right. we want to build a you know, coach to athlete relationship with these kids and help to guide them in life and help to, to see, like you said, to see the growth and to see the progress and to see what they go on and do, you know, it's, that's the most rewarding thing I think we, we get to do as coaches. I mean, we certainly don't do it to get rich.
3: No, and that's <laughs> for sure. You know, you, you, you do it because you enjoy it and you see the rewards and the opportunities it gives to these kids, you know, and, and you know, we were fortunate at Kingston to have coaches and mentors that gave us those opportunities. So for us to, you know, give back, you know, for me, giving back to my own community, you know, where I where I went to school and, and helping those kids, um, you know, and, and you see these kids that if it wasn't for athletics, you know, they may not be where they are right now. You know, uh, I, I had a, a young man who um, I, he's got to be, like 27 now something like that and yeah so he graduated 2011 I think 2012 Mm -hmm. um so but you know I I don't know if he had if he didn't have athletics I'm, I'm not sure where he would have ended up you know he was he was a great kid he was a hard worker he was a social person he you know he could talk to anybody but athletics really springboarded him you know into a into a new new place and I remember like I, I drove him to his college visits. You know, we drove to Connecticut, we drove to U Albany. Um, mm-hmm. we went to Albany, which it, it's a, it, I, we dropped him off at the restaurant with the coach and the other, uh, uh, other recruits. And it was, he was a little, he was a little sore that day. Not, not physically, but his, his, uh, psyche was a little sore because mm-hmm. we would have won county championships for indoors that year. Um, But he slipped in the fifty-five on his second stride, and ended up coming back to finish third and we lost. I believe it was to Warwick by like three or four points or something like Mm -hmm. that. And and he ran. He won the fifty. He ran the fifty-five. He won the three hundred and won the six hundred. And we had we had a lot of other other contributing parts at that point. It wasn't just him. But you know, if he wasn't in that position, uh, you know, to work as hard as he did. I don't know if he would have, he would have had those opportunities. You know, I I know he still would have been successful, but I mean, he's he's working for a company now, and he's he's doing really well. You know, he's he's traveling, he's he's enjoying his life, which he should be because he's worked hard for it. And that's just that's one example. You know, there's, yeah. there's and and as you know from coaching, you know, once the years keep piling, you have many examples that you know really exemplify why you do it.
4: Yeah, for sure.
1: And I, I mean, I, re, I remember that that individual that that you're you're bringing up. I'm assuming that that's uh, Tariq you're talking about.
4: Yes, Tariq yeah. Jones. Yeah. He,
3: was yeah. a, he was a special talent,
1: uh, and and a great kid. It, that's
3: you know, and he that that's part of it too. Okay, we
1: we all we had him, and and the thing with you and I and I'll say it for you, uh, you took care of these kids year-round regardless what what they what event they did you know you you have taken kids everywhere you know getting them and throwing them in your car and driving to virginia for for, uh, a national middle school meet with a thrower you know and doing all kinds of stuff and helping these kids get recruited and and pushing their information out to all of all the schools in the area and that's you take care of these kids and and you really help them and if they don't they don't appreciate it they should um the good ones always will
4: yeah they you know it, it
3: they eventually do figure it out you know and they they come come through but you know we're fortunate to have a a, a staff um you know that cares about our kids and cares about their future um we we know athletics is a is a huge bonus but getting them into a college you know if that's their choice getting them the education so they can get the you know occupation opportunities that they want or you know if they're going into the workforce you know but just giving these kids direction and opportunities and and being optimistic about it is, is you know for for our community, like you said, throwing kids in the car and it's like, all right, hey, let's go. You know, we're going to North Carolina. You know, okay, hey, get in the car. We're going to Connecticut. You know, I, I remember that those summers when I was doing running the track club, and it was like four thirty in the morning, and we're driving up to Albany with, you know, a caravan of parents, you know, driving behind us, and we were very fortunate yeah. to have that support from them. And we had kids anywhere from eleven to nineteen. You know like I, we didn't just have high school kids we had a we had a full on you know uh middle school and high school team uh you know probably about thirty thirty kids i think it was and uh you know it kind of it it was it was very time consuming you know financially it did you know I was, I was lucky I was single at the time because I was putting a lot of my own my own money into it but you know it it gave these kids opportunities and it gave these kids a chance to showcase what they were capable of doing and you know, you 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 want that because if they don't have that opportunity, you you don't want to see what may happen on the other side.
4: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: and especially in a in a town like Kingston where there is a lot of stuff that kids could get pulled into that are not gonna take them in a positive direction in life. Right. I mean that's everywhere, not just Kingston, but you know there's there's a a lot of a lot of stuff there that can, can sway kids the wrong way and be in a positive example form them um, and keeping them on the, on the right side of things uh, is, you know,
3: priceless. For kids. Surely, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, if you can, um, you know, make sure that you are, you know, giving those kids those opportunities to steer them away from, you know, it, it, like you said, it doesn't just have to be Kingston. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's, there's things that happen to kids in in every town in this city, in this country in this world. So, being able to get them to, uh, you know, choose the right path, or at least you know if they're on the white line on the top on the on the right path, you know, <laughs> so yep. keeping close to it
1: enough to just keep knocking them back over. Yeah, just just you know,
3: you put the guardrails up for them. <laughs>
1: Uh, I've de- I definitely had my share of those uh, in our time together. Let- let's talk about that. Um, you know, how we kind of got, got, got together and started working together. I wound up coaching throws in the spring, and uh, there was a throws opening, and then you, you came to me and said, you ever coach indoor? <laughs> and, I th- and I had no idea about that. I and mean, if it wasn't for you and Marcel kind of taking me under your wing, uh and teaching and teaching me kind of how the indoor thing works you know we uh wouldn't have known what was what was going on there i mean i remember the first time we went to the armory and you could talk a little bit about that yeah. You because know, people have never uh have never been there
4: it's a yeah crazy, um crazy
3: place. you know it, indoor indoor tracks uh it's, it's a pretty wild uh environment you know especially when you if you go to the armory and it can be completely overwhelming and you know if if you're you know you come from a small town and you go there and they got the lights and the bank track and the music's blaring and people are you know laying everywhere it's packed to the gills and i mean you're you got people that are fired up from the you know the first heat of the 1600 to the seventh heat of the 1600 and you know you're in that building for 14 hours straight the throw circle is packed in the back there and Mm -hmm. you know throw those throwers in the back is pretty much all they thought. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, going down there is, uh, I never had that opportunity in high school. Um, you know, uh, we never went. So like, I remember when I went to college and some of, some of my teammates were like, yeah, we're going to the armory. And I'm like, what's the armory, you know? And I, I they were like, and they were all from like Long Island and New York city. So that, that was like their, you know, that was their home base pretty much. And they're like, what, you've never been to the armory. I'm like, I don't know what the armory was. I knew
4: what West Point was. That was it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's just going to the armory, you know, it's
3: when we used to do it for those, you know, you're on the bus at 545 and we're not getting back till 10. You remember those days and they're just, we've tried to uh, eliminate those days or reduce those days. You know? You know for everybody's health and well-being and family uh but it's it's definitely a, a, an absolutely uh you know authentic and optimistic environment down there you know people are just track fans down there and it's just you know you get juiced up man you, you get fired up down there
1: and the competition Down there. And I think that was one of the best things for our kids being close enough there that it could be a day trip like that for a meet going down there. And, you know, because we've had some very successful kids, you know, come through the Kingston program and you still have have them coming through the program. But for those kids and I'll bring up I'll bring up a kid. Right, that I used to have the pleasure to coach, and you worked a lot with this individual as well. Valerie Hines needed to go down there and throw against people that could throw just as far, if not further, than her.
3: Right. You know, for her um, at at the time, going to West Point (laughs) – she was like a high schooler competing against middle schoolers. You know, I, there was there, our, our section and, and, and that's not to, you know, demean anybody else. And cause our section has been very great in throws. Section nine has been well represented on the state and national level in throws. So I don't, I don't want to go and you know, I'm not trying to demean any other, any other program. Cause we have had some great growers and coaches um, come through this section in the past, you know, 20 years and, and longer. Um, But for Valerie and, you know, the other kids in our section to be able to get down there to the armory and realize that, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm just average, you know, or wait, there's others like me out here, you know, it's, it's really eye-opening. So to be able to give those kids that experience and, you know, taking the kids that need that competition and then you know you see those young kids that you take. Like sometimes we take a you know a freshman or a sophomore down there, and they've they go down there and you're like, wow, they're like New York City and the music walks in and they're like, you know, deer in headlights. Um, but once they get on that track, you know, or once you get in that circle and the music's going and you know, uh, this the environment, you know, you got you got they're hooked. It's tough not to be hooked if you go to the armory and you're a young kid who likes to compete. And you, you know, it it just brings out the best in people.
1: Yeah,
3: especially going there for the
1: indoor nationals.
3: Yeah, you know, like you said before, we're we're very fortunate that it's it's a day trip. You know, for indoor nationals for us, we've been. Uh, I think last year, um, may have been the. First first time we didn't have any but oh no we did um Lauren Townsend did make uh, nationals so um you know it's it we're very fortunate that it's in our backyard per se you know that we can take these kids down or their parents can take them down or you know the year that you and I went down we took the train because there was a foot and a half of snow out there
1: <laughs> um, yep
3: so you know it's it, it's it's great to have that luxury and we have this amazing complex and we don't just use it for nationals. We use it for, you know, Hey, let's go to this invite. It fits our team. It fits our team uh, roster. Um, you know, let's really take a couple kids down there and get after it.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it. It's a, it's a crazy place. And, you know, we had many, many, many Saturdays there and just think about all, all the people that they pack in that place. Think about it in, in, November of 2020, the, amount, yeah. <laughs> the amount of people they could pack in
3: there. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I think they said their capacity is 5,000. And I, I think on times they were, they were over 5,000, but, oh, uh, their plan is for, for quarantine. Well, not quarantine, uh, for, you know, for the situation we're in with COVID that I think they're allowing a thousand people in. So, you know, obviously these invites will be a lot smaller. Um, you know, I, I do think you'll start seeing a lot more invites. I think you'll see those weekday invites that'll, you know, pop up to get some kids and you're going to need more opportunities. Um, you know, for these schools that are able to compete, you know, we're, we're still up in the air. I'm not sure, you know, we're, we're slated to go, but, um, I remember listening to the podcast with Tom Fassel and, and, you know, he said, you know, be like water and, you know, you, it's true. You know, this, you have to be forever changing with this. You have to take the shape of whatever that day brings. Cause you know, the, the consistency of this is, you know, one day you're doing this, one day you're doing that, but that's, you know, if that's not life and track and field, you know, in athletics as it is anyways, you know, you, you know, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm a little beat up. Or one day uh, I don't feel like going to practice. You know, you, you have to, you still show up and you, you know, you just modify and you adapt to it and you, get after
1: it some days you're going to have those uh those early outdoor season practices where you have to get the shovel out and shovel the snow off of the throwing circle or track
2: <laughs> yes you know <laughs> to be
1: uh, able
3: to do it us in us in new york state you know and probably out there in michigan i'm sure you, you know the, the lake effect snow that we get uh or you get oh, we you know we don't have much of it but um you know there's parts of new york state that just they get hammered. You know, we, we've had it down here, you know, we've had our share, but I know other places like out in, you know, Rochester, Buffalo area, they, they get the heavy dose. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: For sure. We get it. We get it here. I mean, our, our track program at our school, we're, we're fortunate enough that we have a small, I don't even think it's, it's not, it might be a 10th of a mile track. Does that sound right that they've made, they make those
3: uh
4: for indoor
1: yeah that we have that here so it's like a, um similar to the size of the one that's at
3: the ymca I think, yeah i think the ymca was what 13 miles to a, think, 13 laps to a mile or something yeah, like that it, it's
1: about it's about the same same size we we're lucky enough we have it right here um at school so in the, the springtime um they usually spend a lot of time inside um and hey they get creative like we used to have to do we could talk about those days of practicing in the hallways at m clifford miller middle school
3: well uh we still do it um you know and uh the good thing for us is they paved that front uh driveway the bus turnaround a couple years ago and it's actually a little softer i don't know if you people consider pavement softer but it's a little more friendly the kids like it um you know we I know you used to do a lot of throwing off the sidewalk or down in the in the and you made that uh the throwing circle the one time the we still have that in the in the closet um but they just put up new um sidewalks and I'm like well, this, these are going to be great throwing circles for practice, you know, yeah. You're going to give the kids a nice smooth opportunity here. Just, you know, bring your towel or your broom and sweep them off when we're ready. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, you know, we're, I know it's not ideal, but you know, you think about other schools that, that don't have, I mean, I, I know Miller's not the best. It's one, two, three, four, five five and a half turns, four steps, a down ramp, (laughs) doors that close on you. But, you know, it's, it's some semblance of a, of a turn of a track, you know, some people don't even have the, the, the full hallways like that. They might just have a straight and we have the fitness center there too, which, you know, has been a a huge part of our program over the last 10 years. You know, the, the weightlifting has really taken off for, you know male and female athletes not just track and field but all over you know the last 10 years i'd have to say it really jumped you know it started kind of getting in uh when i first was was there but wasn't really like something that you did on a daily basis but then as you learned it was like oh oh yeah you know and once you implemented it you saw those those jumps that they made you know and i don't mean to use that as like no pun intended there but they they you know saw these drastic improvements from lifting whether you know it's just maintenance lifting or you know pre-season training lifting you know it all went and aided as a as a as a bundle to help them improve by the end of the season
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and that's the one thing that I've always respected about about you is you're a distance guy who understands the value of strength training to not just your sprints and Jumps and throws, but to everyone, to those distance kids as well. You know, a lot of times there's like this stigma that, you know, all of a sudden if these kids come in and start lifting weights as a distance runner, you know, they're going to put on all this
3: muscle and be slow and not be able to move. For the distance kids, I mean, as you know, they're, if they're running those miles and miles, they're not going to build that muscle mass, but all they're going to do is you know fortify their strengths you know the last the past four or five years i'd say past four years i mean we've i when i first started everything was like three sets of 15 three cents of 20 right that was the whole distance uh you know hey we're gonna we're gonna do the lighter weight we'll do more aerobic lifting um which which was it was good you know it, it definitely got early season getting kids in shape and stuff like that i think that aided them but as you went on and as I learned more, it was like, uh, yeah, we're doing uh, five sets of three deadlift. they are like, wait, what? Well, I'm just, then they're like, well, I'll, I'll just do lightweight. I'm like, no, we're doing three set, three reps. You are packing some weight on there. And we had kids moving, you know, girls and guys moving some serious weight who were, you know, three K runners and, uh, you know, steeplechasers, And it was, it was something that benefited them, you know, At at some point in those, in those races, You know, even though it's aerobic, you know, it becomes anaerobic at some point. And you you need those strength. You need those, uh,
4: you know, those fast twitch muscle fibers. And even from the the durability standpoint, being able to hold up, like people
1: forget, and I know you know this, but people forget how physically demanding the sport of running is. How much of a toll that takes on your body with each step. How many, how many, you know, hundreds to thousands of pounds of force are going into those joints with
4: each step, you know, and you got to be strong to be able to hold, hold up, you know, right. You know, you just think about it just from a, you know, just from a
3: posture standpoint, you know, standing up being, you know, if you're able to, you know, do your basic functional strength training, uh, to help yourself out, uh, you know, just standing being at a track meet as a coach and you're like, wow, you know, I do my, b- your posture is going to be a lot better. You're not going to wake up with, you know, those knees and back injuries and, you know, sore. Um, but for those kids that are putting the added force on, right. You, like you said, you're they're putting these thousands of pounds of pressure per step and you know, you, you add in steeplechase barriers or hurdles or pole vault or, you know, these rotate, you know, the rotations that they're doing in the circle and triple and long jump, right. The, these are like added forces that
4: like, uh, you know, exempt um, that go beyond those thousands of pounds of force. You want it's body armor for them.
1: Yep, it keeps them, it keeps them right. And you know, and out here, right, like we're we're doing a lot of good things out here. I think um, you know we still have some issues with you know certain populations, you know, fully buying in uh, to our training. And at times, our our, our distance and cross country programs have gotten better um mm-hmm. we had a we had a coaching change and a new guy came in and, and he he's buying into it a little bit more than his predecessor but you know we still have it where like and especially now with covid we've seen you know where those kids stopped training yeah you know the 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 shin splints you know the kids in walking boots
3: and all like yeah i know it, it's it you know you, you, there's some people that are like dead set against um, you know weightlifting. um they, they think it's kind of like you know anti-productive for for the athletes especially if you're a you know a distance athlete or you know if you're if you're competing in more aerobic capacities for whatever sport you're doing you know they think it's just typically for you know football basketball baseball players and you know you really you know maybe some wrestling but it's it, it's for it's for anybody you know the not just athletes, like we were just saying, just functional strength.
4: You know, it's one of the things we're talking about in phys ed class now for the kids is, you know, doing lifting, heavy lifting,
3: is a great anaerobic workout for you to, you know, burn calories and stuff, but just think about, you know, picking up your backpack off the ground with a couple extra books in it, you know? And if you're used to moving that way, it's simple, you know, if you work at a, a grocery store and you're stocking shelves, right? If you're used to overhead press or, or clean and press, right? Like those are those are things that are functional strength. Your body understands those movements. They're accustomed to it. You know, it's not like this huge shock where then, you know, two or three days after doing a repeated motion of that, you know, you're, you're gonna be laid up and not able to do some of it.
1: Absolutely. It's that general physical preparedness born athlete to put them out there. Um, right. and, you know, and any, anybody, as you said, any, any individual, right. When people, we see it all the time, people get older and they are not training uh, and gravity starts to pull them down or, and, you know, <laughs> and just, just pointing at himself. Uh, you know, we have all these things, the backs, the, the shoulders, the, the hips, right. That just, if they stayed, got strong when they're in their youth and stayed strong, continue to train in a yep. way not going to cause overuse things, how, you know, we've all seen that, that older guy that's been active and been strong his whole life. And, you know, he's 80 some years old and looks like he's 60 and can kick everybody's butt in, <laughs> on the block because he's
4: strong yeah.
3: and he's not falling, falling apart. You yeah. Know? Well, I- I've noticed from probably about the past, you know, two and a half months of being in school and teaching in front of the computer, you know, I, my time, like I, over the summer, I was walking a lot. I was doing a lot of, you know, hip strengthening, uh, those kind of core workouts. And I, I think hip strengthening is one of the most undervalued, underrated workouts that people do not understand. Um, we we have an absolutely amazing athletic trainer you know and 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 i think any school district that has one is is extremely fortunate um but ours you know she's 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 young she's energetic and she knows her stuff which you know um and probably about six or seven years ago I, i think that's probably how long she's been there you know she introduced these hip exercises to me and at first i was like yeah, okay, listen, I do I do core, like I got my routines down. And she was like, Well, no, you don't understand, like most of these kids and you know, a high school cross-country runner, they don't have that general preparedness. They may not even have that that strength. So the majority of our summer work, we spend a lot of time on uh, you know, hip strengthening, that that hip joint, uh, the hinge. Anytime you can move that and strengthen it, that just it affects the lower chain in such a positive way. Uh, you know, just from stature, like you're saying, we're running all these miles as a distance runner. And if you can't hold your hips in the correct position because they're not strong enough, you're going to develop so many other ailments that you're not even going to be able to enjoy the sport. Oh,
1: not at all. And I mean, that's one of the big foundational movements of, of our program is it's a wide stance box squat
4: for that okay. exact
1: reason, getting into the hips training the hips you know we right. we pull when we deadlift
4: we pull sumo um
1: and it's all hip based we spend a lot of time training the posterior chain stuff on the back side of our
4: body that's going to help hold us upright help us to get stronger and be uh be more active but all right um so
1: you write all the all the programming right now for you Uh, strength training stuff for, for the track field programs. Right. I know you and I have talked about that before. For,
3: for indoor. uh, Yes. And then for, uh, for cross country and and for the distance kids outdoors. Yes. Um, For the sprinters, they um, in the spring, uh, we have two other coaches that that dictate that um, Mm -hmm. and then the throws too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, I, there's, you know, I know it's, there's a push. And I think you do this where it's just, it's a universal program. And really, the only thing that changes in that weight room is the weight that's on the on the bar yep and so you whatever day one is day one is the same for you know your your female swimmer, your offensive lineman, and your your first baseman and and that's that's the same. The only thing that changes is the weight on the bar yep um and, and that's great um you know. We, we don't have a strength and conditioning coach. We have a lot of coaches that put time and energy and effort into it. Um, but, but it's tough, you know, we're, we're all over the place. We don't always have access to, um, you know, the field house. We have a great new fitness center, but when you practice at Deed Stadium, you know, you're, you're a mile and a half away, or you practice yep. at Miller, it's tough. So when you get in there, you, you may not, you know, coaches may not be able to get in there on a regular basis until some sort of schedule is put out there. Um, but for me, yes, you know, for, for cross-country, yes, we, we lift during cross-country season. Um, indoor with the sprinters and distance kids uh, take care of their, their lifting workouts. Um, and then for the distance kids in the spring also. Or, uh, yes, distance kids in the spring.
1: Uh, and I would love to hear about how you set that stuff up, if you'll share it with us. We're going to take a brief break. For a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and we'll have uh, Joe lay out how he
4: sets up his training for his distance athletes. Sounds good. This is Dan Roach, owner and head powerlifting coach at Power Performance, and Performance. You're listening to the Iron Dread Podcast.
1: So where we left off, uh, Joe is going to tell us how he sets up his strength
4: training for his distance athletes. Joe, the floor is yours all right um you know for the distance kids it's
3: most of them uh have never touched a weight um you know most of those kids have during your phys ed classes they're you know out playing the, the team games or the individual games whatever's going on uh some do partake in the weight room you know but the introduction is like the key because most of those kids if you get them as a, a ninth grader you know they, they don't even know what a weight is they don't know how much a bar weighs so you got to go through the whole you know uh introduction part of it where you're you're pretty much starting from ground ground zero with that you know
0: so like the first day um i know for indoor what we've been doing the past couple years and it's really worked um we'll do three or four days where practice is
3: just demo um and we'll go through and you know we'll have four or five six bars set up or some dumbbells um you know for the kids that aren't able to do it um we'll have the we have at miller we have those machines that are set up too so it does give us a little you know um little benefit there for the for the younger kids the lower level kids um but we'll go demo so all the coaches will one of us talk it through the other ones will demo while while the kids are sitting there watching and then we get up coaches will man a station uh Kids will perform the exercise with no weight on the bar. Uh, Fortunately for us, we have a couple 35 pound bars, which helps some of the kids out, right? So they're able to at least lift the bar. Uh, So we got 35s, we got 45s, we got a bunch of dumbbells too, which help us out. Um, So once we get through the tech stuff, uh, you know, as the kids get older, you don't have to really, those juniors and seniors and sophomores, sometimes they have it down. So you don't really have to uh, spend more time on those guys. not saying they don't need it, but the kids that have, you know, improper form or they need some tech work, right? Those are the kids you want to focus on so nobody's getting hurt. Um, then usually day, day one of actually lifting, um, we'll set up those bars again and we'll put varying weights on. So bar one might just be the 35-pound bar. Bar two might just be the 45-pound bar. And then it goes, you know, up to 185, 225, or, you know, we can mix one of the last bars. And then we will have the kids go through, you know, um, start at, if you know that you can lift 45 pounds, all right, for a deadlift, start at the 45 pound bar. All right? was that easy? Okay, move up. You know how kind of like CrossFit has those bars that are staggered and they get higher in weight and they jump. So that's kind of what we'll do. Um, and then when they get to a load that's like a struggle for them, they have to take mental note. Um I I know you were very good at this as, you know, uh keeping rep ranges and and max lifts and uh statistics and percentages. Uh for me, that all escapes me. Um, you know, I kind of put a little ownership on the athlete to remember, right, hey, when we did when we did demo day one, when we did deadlifts, um my heavy was one eighty five. So they have to know when they come in that warm up that day is gonna be uh, 135, and they're going to work up to 185, whatever it might be. Um, for the lower level kids, they'll do some body weight stuff. Um, you know, the, the dumbbells or the, the actual bars are too much for them. Uh, we have those machines, like I said, and then we we have band work too. You know, we have uh, resistance bands, and then we also have bands that they can do some upper body and lower body work on too, so we have to supplement and do some auxiliary stuff. Um, so once they find what weight is a challenge for them for as close to a one rep max, you know, it's, it's ideally what we're shooting for.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I use, I kind of model it after Altus, uh, the zoning lifting. I don't know if you've ever seen that. So they got the three zones.
1: Yeah, I think you showed me
3: you Showed um, me this once. So like they, they, zone one is their max, uh, max lifting. So they're, you know, one to three, maybe four reps, right. we mm-hmm. go, go going after it. And uh, two is like their strength building. Uh, and then three is their dynamic, their speed lift, where it doesn't matter what the weight is on the bar. You're just trying. You don't want, I don't care if you, you know, you're not supposed to be putting heavy weight on. I want to see that weight fast for, you know, six to 10, six to 12 reps, whatever the, the rep count is for that day. Um, and we'll mix and match. So, you know, some days, uh, you know, bench will be a max day. And then maybe on Friday of that week, uh bench will be in the dynamic lifting thing you know or the dynamic dynamic lifting zone and there'll be you know speed benching and uh, you know we just mix it up so that so you, you know you're always adding a different stimulus to it um you know i'm sure everybody that's been on his podcast knows that if you, you, know, you keep doing the same thing the same way every time it's you just you're going to get the same result so being able to train those muscles in in different ways and different speeds and adding those stimuluses of weight uh and speed you know it's beneficial to the athlete because for a
4: distance kid there's times out there where your body is going through so many different um speed levels
3: right you know you think the start of a race right you're, you're out kind of fast right then you kind of settle into pace and then you might have some surges in the middle and then you're, you know you're, you're back at you know moving to that anaerobic threshold towards the end and put in a lot of anaerobic work over the last half mile or so so, you know, being able to have those, um, the ability to, for them to understand that the muscles work that way, doing those speed, speed days lifting, uh, the max days lifting, they, they all bundled together to make a you know a complete athlete. Um, <clears throat> we add in plyos too, plyos uh, for the distance kids, uh, two to four days a week, three to four days a week, depending on where we are in the season. Um, we do a lot of box hops, a lot of depth jumps um and there's a couple other you know a couple of things but those are the main ones i really like to focus on some depth drops some box hops you know and varying the height um of where they're going for most kids it's it's, it's about 12 inches you know most kids don't need more than that they're getting the benefit but they're older and they're stronger right you go to you know 24 36 whatever inches to get a little more out of it for them um we do auxiliary work so like we do like our hip strengthening, like we were talking about before, we do a lot of band work for that. Um, we have bands that we hook to our fence where we're able to do, you know, uh, buys and tries and some shoulder presses and some flies. Um, if we're like, we're at the stadium, we don't have full equipment available to us, you know. Most of the time, if we're if we're at DEETS, it's, you know, uh, deadlift, shoulder
4: press, clean and press, um, you know, there's a couple other, there, you know, um, what's the other one I'm thinking of? Um, geez, I'm drawing a blank,
3: but Oh, cleans, you know, so those, those are, you know, the, the, your essential building blocks right there. Yep. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, our frequency, like early season, uh, the kids are lifting three to four days a week, you know, and, and like I said, I'll mix in those zone one, zone two, zone three, some days it, it won't even be a zone. It'll just be body weight. Some days it'll just be all bio, you know, um, then once we reach mid-season, mid it's like two to three, um, still mixing in those zones. And we're, those kids are lifting They're lifting heavy, um, you know, on, on days. They're doing those two reps, those four reps, those five reps. Um, so they, their body's used to it. Um, so even when we get to the post-season or later in the season, we're still lifting two days a week. Um, and they're lifting heavy still. You know, they're, they're still putting two rep max on the bar. You know, ten days out a week out from a big meet, and it doesn't affect them. So you know, what I try not to do is in the last third or quarter of a season, you know however long the season is, um, or however I'm you know able to break it up, I try not to introduce any new workouts, any new rep counts, any new stimulus that's going to you know, if, if a kid hasn't deadlifted over eight reps, if they haven't benched over eight reps. I'm not going to go throw in. Hey, we're going to do four by fifteen today, you know, a week out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got a you got a pec issue, or you got a you know a, a lower back issue, or a hamstring issue, where now it's like, wait a minute, we put in all that time, and I threw in this new thing, and now we're now we're sidelining our kid, or you know, no pun intended, but you're hamstringing them. So,
2: yeah,
1: I mean, it's you gotta you gotta be smart with it, and a lot of people are afraid. Um, especially later in the year to continue to train him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll tell people all the time. We'll, we'll have kids in the middle of a football season out here that break a deadlift br and still right. win and still win on Friday night. Right. Like, <laughs> like and, and what, and not even just win play well uh, for them and win. So yeah. it's uh we, we get them acclimated. We start to introduce the training stimulus. we, progress our loading. And I like how you're going in and out of, of different stimulus, even with the same movements, you you know, you have your heavy days, you have your, you know, lighter, more, uh, higher rep days and you have your speed days. It's very, very similar and all, all training, all good training. It has many things that you could see, even though we may, you know, people structure things differently, but the fact that you, make it a priority to get stronger, to get faster and build more endurance in your programming is what we need to do.
4: And and that's what's best for the kid.
3: Right. And, and, and you know what, I I try to pair whatever we're doing um, in the weight room and that kind of matches the intensity um, of our workout. So if we have a dynamic day where the weight is light and we're moving fast, like
0: Those kids are going to be doing max sprints that day. We're going to be putting on quite a bit of load of running. Like, it's tough to tell a kid, okay, okay, hey, we're going to do max for five seconds. You're going to do five of them with six minutes rest in between. And now we're going to go max deadlift
3: too. You'd be like, wait, what? You just killed my hamstrings. And how you (laughs) want me to? Yeah. So being able to balance that and and work those in is has been has been essential. I've seen it work really well. Um, you know, for the most part. Um we We had a good group of girls, probably for the past three or four years that really adopted the weight room um, and we started doing a lot of max volume sprinting too where we'd come in and the day the, they'd go all right, what are we doing today It'd
4: be like twenty minute warm up um, twenty minute warm up uh, you know dynamics strides,
3: and we're gonna go three by five seconds with eight minutes recovery, three by eight seconds, you know, with eight minutes recovery in between. And,
0: you know, you, you need those, those rest stimulus stimuluses, uh, or you need that rest because you're having a lot of stimulus there. You're asking your body to do a lot, even though it's only eight seconds worth of work,
3: you know, the, the central nervous system really needs some time to recover there. So, but then we go to the weight room and it would be, all right, Hey, we're going to do some bench. We're going to do some clean. Um, and then we're going to do some you know auxiliary stuff and it's going to be a speed day. You know, and then
0: that's how you kind of pair it and try to balance it all out there.
1: Yeah, there's sport-specific training with the general-specific training, making sure that they overlap and and can be beneficial that the athlete. Right. You know, it does. It never fully goes. You know, on a on a straight climb, right? It's more of a a wave. Yeah. As we go up, but making
3: sure that things work together.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it,
3: you know, you, you
0: try your best to coordinate
3: it, you know, like you were saying, it's never, it's never linear. Um, not a sense, you know, you definitely have that, that wave of where it's dipping and going. So you, you try to match them as best as possible for what the season layout is, what the meets are and how your kids are feeling. You know, there, there was days where, you know, we would do like I was saying, those five by five second max sprints for the distance kids. um, and you know, two days later, they're like, "Yeah, coach, I'm I'm still beat up." Or you know, like days we would do box hops and depth jumps. They were they were beat up a couple of days. You just you know, you have to sticking to a script. You know, really only works in Hollywood. And sometimes you see when they don't, they get some they get some great lines there. But um, for 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 the human body, you know, there's nothing that that's a blueprint for you or for me. It's it varies between the individual.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and at times you got to pull back and you got to recover. Like I'm, I'm constantly adjusting training for kids. And, you know, thankfully with us, the way our program is, it's, it's uh, just simple little tweaks where, you know, the, the, the core is there and I know you're the same way. The core of the, of the training is there, but if I need to adjust something, turn something down here or turn something up there, it's, it's very easy just changing a movement or changing, how something's done right? It makes life good um, and recovery, right? We do a lot of recovery work and I know that that's something that you instill in your athletes too. And what are, what are the kind of things you're doing with them to recover?
3: Uh, well, for us, number one, um, you know, for the distance kids, anytime we have that long run day and I try to make, I try to make a long run day every probably eight or nine days, and you know at this point most of the kids are up to you know like an hour and a half if they've been doing it you know um and the next day is off like 90 minutes of straight running you know if you're doing it at a good clip that that taxes the body you know that's the same as doing like workouts like i was just saying before where that that body needs time to repair you know they might do some some light dynamics or core hip strength the next day but Trying to get them off to do some some rehab and some prehab to come back the next you know in two days and 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 really be a little bit more energized and a little more more recovered. It, where you benefit? Um, you know, when I first started, I look back at some of the workout plans that I put some of those kids through, and I'm like, wow, they really did well. But I wonder what the, how they would have done if I gave them a little more rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had some really great athletes back then that put together some great performances. Um, but I just think if I was able to incorporate more rest for some of those kids, would that have benefited them more in, you know, in times, in, in performances?
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you always, always th- throw on some stuff at them to, to get them to recover. Um, have, have I ever shared with you the concept of body tempering? I don't think so, but that uh, I had, a, geez, quite a few episodes ago. Now I had a, a strength coach on, uh, she's originally from um uh, rome new york now she lives in florida autumn swavely uh, i forget which episode she was uh, was on right now off the top of my head but that's worth going back and listening to she talks about the concept of body tempering which is basically concentrated foam rolling um with, with weighted rollers um, and we yeah, you know, we were able to you know, we raised some money we were able to buy some But at some point, I will share with you how we used to do it before we bought the weighted rollers with just a regular foam roller and weight plates. I think Mm -hmm. it'll be something that you'll want to throw in for your kids to help them recover.
0: Uh, I I think I I remember this conversation.
3: Um, I remember us talking via text about it. And and I don't know if we went like really in depth or we ever evolved the conversation a little bit more. But I do remember um, you bringing this up uh, last year, or two years ago. Uh, it,
1: it's something that we we've instituted. We've we got got rollers, uh, and it's even more effective now that we have the rollers. But even before, just I I have kids now body temper where we used to foam roll, and it's okay. so much so much more effective. So at, gotcha. some, at some point at some point we'll we'll get together and I'll I'll share share it with you. That'd be great. But if you have time, check out that podcast with, with Autumn, and she talks all about kind of what it is and what it does. Yeah, take a look back. All right. Uh, so moving, moving along here, I think we'll throw our, our speed qu- set questions in here. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, coaching and, and training and all these things. But let's, let's talk about Joe Cahill. Let's talk about Joe Cahill and, and some of the things that, um, that you're into. So uh, first question, being a Michigan, I have
0: to ask it. Go blue or go green. Really tough, man, because I think it depends on the sport. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Notre Dame fan, so thinking about anybody from that glove state.
3: Uh, but I have to say, if I'm going to go football, uh, I'm going to go Wolverines because I just think about Charles Woodson with the rose in his mouth doing the Heisman pose. Uh, but if we're going basketball, I, I got to go Tom Izzo. I mean, Tom Izzo is a class act. I, so I'm, I'm going to do a 50-50 split there for you.
1: Something that can never happen if you actually live in Michigan. You cannot be I, on both sides of the fence.
0: I know. I, I'd I'd have to, you know, pick my color line there. Whatever,
3: whatever
4: one it is. Uh, your favorite movie? Oh, geez, um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I really enjoyed okay. that movie. Okay, I think I.
1: To be honest, I don't know if I've ever seen that in its entirety.
4: Uh,
1: I, I really like that i have i
3: have a lot of movies that i like but that one just always pops out to me for some reason
1: that's um who's who the main character in that uh
3: matt damon ben affleck in that that's right and then uh robin williams is in that too
1: that's i was gonna i was gonna call out robin williams yeah. i thought he was in there i love him he, all right i'll check that one out all
3: right your favorite tv show oh boy uh
4: I don't know. We, we really got into, uh, Ozark. Um, that, that was pretty good. Um,
3: I'm currently watching the Mandalorian. So I don't, I don't know if I have a favorite man. I, you know, we, we, watch a lot of stuff. Um, this is us is a great show, um, play, plays with your emotional, you know, strings there. So, but I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't know. It, it, it came down to like when, you know, when I was coaching, I didn't have time to watch TV you know by the time you got home it was that that you know dinner kids goes to bed and and i'm off the bed
2: yep the um
4: the the time for tv when you're when you're
1: in a full swing of things is rough but we, we've been able to watch a lot of a lot of good things with, with uh with quarantine yeah. i still have i still have to catch the next season of mandalorian i haven't started it yet yeah i did um But um, a few episodes ago, uh, one of your coworkers, Quentin Johnson was on. And for this question, he, he brought up, this is us. So do you guys talk about that at at work in the office?
0: Uh, We, we, it's come up, but I don't know if we've ever, you know, uh, dove
3: into, uh, you know, the, the, the full realm of how it, how the the storyline has played out, but it's a, it's a, it's a good storyline, you know, and if you're a family person, you know, it obviously
4: it plays a part for you. So it's, it's a good show. It's well-written. Um, My wife watches it. She She's into it. Oh. I apparently, I, I, every once in a while, like, I'll find
1: myself, like, you know, asking, like, oh, what what's going on with him? And i yeah. say, oh, this show jumps around too much for me. She's like, oh, well, you we got to pay attention to the whole
0: thing. Yeah, it does. It, it does, like, the the time bounce, you know, where it's in the future, then it's in the past, then it's present day.
3: So it's, uh, you know, you kind of have to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go watch South Park instead. Sometime I, I did that last night. I, we, got, we got home and I was like, she was like, what do you want to watch? Or it was after dinner and Jack went to bed and was like, I'm just going to put on Family Guy because it's just like <laughs> background noise. Like it was kind of comedy, it was mindless. I didn't have to yep. listen to anything, I didn't have to pay attention.
1: Yep. That's, that's what I do.
4: The, the South Park pandemic special was pretty good. It was worth I I'd heard it. that. Hey, your number one hobby? Uh, geez, uh, family right now. You know, I
3: before it was coaching and running, and past two years, it's been it's been family. You know, I just I got a little little guy. He's just turned two in September, and it's it it really changes. Even the you know the year or two before he was born, it's you 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 trying to change your priorities. You you know, you you have to cut out. You know trim the fat and, and really really focus on what's important to you and that's uh being a dad right now, being a husband and uh having that little guy around is definitely you know something that's special he's he's actually just getting up I can see him upstairs he's running around but um yeah that's that's my new hobby
1: taking care of taking care of jack yeah when, when I get back home I have to come uh, come and meet him definitely. Uh, All right, so this one here is a uh, a heavily debated one. I bring it up every episode. Um, And it, of course, revolves around a native New York food item in the form of chicken wings. The chicken wing. How do you order them and what side do you dip them in?
3: Well, the only rational and reasonable answer here, and it, it has to be blue cheese all right um if you say otherwise you're really not eating uh chicken wings i'm sorry all right um i like them i like them crispy um the Hurley mountain inn makes some really good wings they have the cajun wings which to me they're some of the best around just because of the flavor um we do have some other places in town that do a good job uh, but yeah i like them i like them crispy with blue cheese Give me a lot of little sauce, a little dry rub. I'll take them anyway that way, though. <laughs> I, think, I think you took
1: me to the Hurley Mountain Inn uh, and one time, and we ate wings. I know we used to uh, we used to head, up, head over there, you, me, and Marcel Lucchese. Order,
3: yeah. To, ordering you know. some wings. Co- a coaches
1: meeting. Yeah. Co- coaches meeting at Hurley Mountain Inn, eating wings. Yep. All right. Cuz I mean this is this wing one is heavily debated, right? Cuz I have I have a lot of folks out here that want to classify a um buffalo style chicken nugget or chicken tender as a wing. You know, I won't even dare say the name that they that they use um you know involving, you know something, you know lacking a bone. Um but wings have bones. Uh, for sure.
3: Yeah. I'm, I'm a a bone, bone in chicken wing. Definitely bone in nice and crispy,
4: good sauce, good flavor and blue cheese. That's it. And one hand, only one hand. You can't do the two.
1: We'll talk, we'll talk more about food in a, in a minute. Uh, But let's, let's talk about um, training when you're, when you're training now, obviously I'm sure your training is has changed a little bit. You might not have as much time to train now with a young family, but when you're training, you know, kind of what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing to keep yourself in shape?
0: Uh, during the pandemic, I was out, you know, when everything really shut down early and then over the summer. I was doing a lot of walking, um, as we
3: discussed earlier. I, I've been trying to do a lot of uh, like hip exercises, you know, hip mobility. Um, you, you find yourself, you're either outside doing yard work or you're just sitting. You know, and there's there's really no distraction or other place in between, especially early on. Um, I've I've taken up like I don't know if I want to call it yoga, but you know, some some form uh form of dynamic movement, dynamic stretch, and especially in the morning when I wake up, you know, I'll turn the coffee on, and takes about ten minutes for the coffee to brew, so I'll do a ten minute you know stretch, mobility uh session in the morning, then I'll I get to work probably about seven ten, seven fifteen try to get in the fitness center past couple of weeks it's been tough uh just you know trying to plan uh virtual learning stuff or our lessons out you know it's been monopolizing some time I mean, it doesn't seem like it should take time but you know it's it's a lot more time um but I try to get in the fitness center um do some walking do some just standard um machine training right now and so it's it's very infrequent for me so for me to hop on the free weights i think it it would do a disservice to me and don't want to injure myself so sticking to the machines is is where i'll stay for right now until i get in a more regular pattern
1: yeah i mean that's that's what we have to do right we i talk about it with a lot of people stuff kind of things things change how we train changes you know as as we get through different phases of uh of life for sure so you mentioned earlier that you played a lot of sports growing up uh
4: could you pick one as your favorite uh to play i, I love the game of baseball man like
3: just e- even if not playing it just watching it uh there there's there's just so many intangibles in the game of baseball um you know i, I like sports equally uh i've I become like a big fan of volleyball after i graduated college you know, i played volleyball in town uh for quite some time uh but i have to say game baseball you know it's 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 simple but it's complicated at the same time uh so i i enjoy it just because of the history behind it
2: yeah,
1: absolutely and being where you are in the hudson valley of new york you know the new york yankees are king they are. I know you're a Yankee fan out here. I got to hear about the Detroit Tigers all the time and uh, everybody just complains about how bad they are.
3: Yeah. Well, they're, they're like the cicadas out here in New York. You know, they show up every, every, you know, every 10 years, 13 years, whatever, 17 years.
4: Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. Every 17 years they show up. And my, uh, my wife keeps telling me about how much fun Tigers games are. And I haven't been to one since we've, you know, lived in Michigan. So I'm waiting though, because there's only one team I want to go see the Tigers play. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and that of course is the New York Yankees. Right. Um, well, my, my wife and I, we've checked off three or four stadiums so far together. Um, I have a couple more myself. I'm up to, I think seven, seven or eight, but we would like to do every stadium too. So if we are ever headed out there to, uh, wow. What's the name of the ballpark out there?
1: Uh, it's, um, Comerica, Comer-
3: Comerica I was going to say Comerica. I wasn't sure yeah. if that was Chicago Yeah, Comerica yeah. park. Right. Yep. Yeah. I would definitely like to take, check out a game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've told you, told you guys, you know, the other day when we were talking with everybody, you know, I got, I got plenty of space for people to crash, you know, I got four bedrooms in the house and, there you go. You know, two two guest rooms ready to go. One, with a king size, one with a queen size. So enough, enough room for you and the family to come out and, and go go down to Detroit. Detroit's probably about 45 minutes to an hour from That's no, being... not terrible. No, it's not bad. we we go down there for, uh, you know, concerts and back when we used to be able to go to those things, concerts I know. and events and whatnot. Now what they did in Detroit is they built Little Caesars Arena. So now the Red Wings and the Pistons play there, where they used to play at the Palace. Uh, yeah, the, the Pistons play at the Palace, Auburn Hills, and the Red Wings play at Joe Louis Arena. Right so now they they demolished Joe Louis Arena, and now there's Little Caesars Arena. So they both play there. Ford Field is right there. Comerica Park is right there. So all the all so the all Detroit's, enough. yeah, they're right there next to each other.
3: Nice little nice little sports hub. That's kind of like uh, you know, like Philly's got that um dc's got that you know they that area washington down there they've got the sports teams that are pretty close close together yeah it's um
1: detroit's an interesting place not not being from here right you go to a big city and you're expecting new york you know well we're used to going to new york city and it's it's different there's there's some cool stuff in in detroit so yeah whenever you're gonna whenever you're gonna come out here make sure you let me know. will. So, you and I have been on many culinary expeditions, Um, usually surrounding track meets. I still tell the stories of our visits to Dinosaur Barbecue. Yes, New York's famous. New York's famous Dinosaur Barbecue, which reminds me, I have the cookbook from there. And Phil Jacobs, if you're listening to this, our head football coach here, Phil Jacobs, you still have my Dinosaur Barbecue cookbook. And I need that back. <laughs> <laughs> but what is, what would you say would be your favorite
4: food of, of all, of all, all time? Your, your most favorite food? Man, that's tough. Jeez. Um, I mean, some of those, sandwiches, like
3: that dinosaur barbecue sandwich that you introduced me to, um, <laughs> What was it called? Oh,
1: I'm. I'll have to look it up. The one wasn't it like a? Was it a burger with with brisket on it?
3: It had a burger and brisket and pulled pork um, with pickles and coleslaw. I can't remember the name of it, but that that was
4: it was a messy
3: but tasty uh, concoction
1: they put together. They they do a good job there for sure. I'm I'm on the website right now. Shout out to Dinosaur Barbecue, uh, with a chain, um, barbecue restaurant in New York. Not really a chain. It's so. called the Shed. Maybe I I'm I'm on the I'm on the website right now. We we are gonna we're going to give, uh, Dinosaur Barbecue their just due. Of course, it wants me to, go on some thing where I cannot
4: find it. the barbecue plate, the combo plates, the. Bunch of different plates. Cheese. Brisket sandwiches.
1: Power couple. Pork sandwiches. Cuban Memphis. Nope. We're looking. We're almost there. Barbecue cheese steaks. I don't even know. It for some reason that name that you said the, the shed sounds it, it literally had everything on it, folks. I mean I'm not gonna keep keep our listeners waiting too long on this, but it, it was it was all the things that a man or woman could love and barbecue put on the one roll or bun, as they say out here, I say a roll and everybody looks at me like, Oh, it's a bun. Right. (laughs) But it's deliciousness. I can't find it. I can't find it on their website, but I'm sure they still make it. It is indeed a delicious concoction.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, we've been to quite a few dinosaurs.
4: Yes. Um, But if I had to, I don't know. I'm a, pretty
3: traditionalist when it comes to food. Like, uh, spaghetti
4: and meatball is a good one. Um, what's the other one? Um, you know, just a meatloaf or a hamburger. You know, just give me a piece
3: of, give me a pizza. I can eat that for two days. You know, I'll I'll have that for breakfast, lunch and dinner.
1: Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people say Pizza comes up a lot when I, when I ask this question, especially with folks from New York. Yes. We, so it's, a, it's one of, like wings, pizza is one of the things that we native New Yorkers take pride in. Sure do. Now, I, I, went to, I went to Chicago and had the Chicago style, and it was good. Deep dish? I've had the Chicago style deep dish. I enjoyed it in a different way, though, than I enjoy our native New York thin crust.
0: I got it. It was called the pork sket.
1: The pork sket. That's exactly what it was called.
0: Yes. And I didn't. Eat, I was on the website and it's not there, but it popped in my head. And that thing was
3: loaded with protein and sauces and toppings. And get your bib out if you're going to order that.
1: Yeah, it was probably like, I don't know, half a foot tall. Oh, yeah. Uh, sandwich. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> One has to have a moment and remember the
3: greatness. Of their, I, know. I of might, might I, I might have to take a nap just thinking of that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah All right. So now let's talk music. Uh, do you have a, a favorite music genre? Uh, man, you know, you know,
3: I am. I still love my old school hip hop. I love that music. Um, for me, it was you know I grew up listening to that and. You know as you were growing up you're like how could anybody hate this music and then you know your parents are telling you it's bad and now i'm at that age and i hear what the kids are listening to (laughs) um but uh, old school hip-hop old school rock and roll and give me some country music too and i I can i can throw a mixtape or a playlist together with all three of those and i can i can go all day you know there's good good value in all of it um I became a country fan because they used to play the Yankees on the country station here in New York um, on the radio. So when I would come home from work or practice, you know, the Yankees, I would put the game on at night. But then when I got in the car in the morning, there'd be country music on. And all of a sudden, you know, like that was back when you know, Zach Brown was just coming around. I was like, oh, this guy's not bad. And now you've got, you know, Jason Aldean and Luke Combs and all those. I know I'm missing a few, but they, they just, they have some good music. They got catchy tunes and they sing about relevant stuff. You know? stuff, that,
4: yeah. stuff that connects with you. Yeah.
3: You know, classic rock does not go away. So classic rock is classic rock.
1: No. Well, classic rock will, will never die. And the fact that you work with Tom Lachlan every day means that there's classic rock going.
3: <laughs> There is, there is classic rock going all day. Um, and he can tell you stories. You know, he used to work at the Civic Center down in Poughkeepsie. And, you know, he's, he's had some some names come through there, some bands come through there where he's done security and stuff. So it, he's got some stories to tell. Him. I know you're trying to get him on here also. And you, you might have to block out, uh, you know, a whole weekend because you could get him going with the stories he's got because he's done some great things in his life.
1: Yeah, and I know, and he, he's been such a, a, a big influence to so many, too. Like, I, I would I lo- love to have him on. So, Coach Lachlan, if you're listening to this, I, I'm going to say publicly on the air for all my listeners, Tom Lachlan uh, from Kingston, New York, wants you on the Iron Dread podcast. I, I talked to Quentin the other day, and he said, yeah, I was talking with, with Coach Lachlan, and I don't know. I don't know if he's going to do it.
3: Uh, you, you know, like speaking with him, like I, I've known him on many different levels now, right? So I knew him as a student, um, as an athlete, as a co-worker, and like now as a friend. Like, so we, our, our, our relationship is like, you know, evolved and the topics that that man is knowledgeable on, it, it's really tough to match wits with that guy. Um, he can, he can discuss anything from the weight room to the stock market, to athletics, to cars, and, and he'll give you good information on all of it, you know? And he's, he's one of those guys. He's like, you know, he's, for me, he's like, he's like a second dad, you know? Like I've, I've gone to him and be like, Hey coach, I got advice. And like, like you heard me, I still call him coach, right? I very rarely call him Tom. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that guy, that guy is culture to all be, and he's, he's diversified in his, uh, in his hobbies so uh, he's a, he's definitely somebody who has influenced a lot of people in our town.
1: Sure. And I'm I'm going to get him on. I'm not going to I'm not going to quit. I'm going to just start bugging him. Uh he he said he wants to talk with me about how we're doing strength stuff
3: out here. So I'll use that I use that as leverage to get him to be on the go. show. With the bait in the water. Yeah.
1: All right. So with, with music, when we're talking about music, um we have a a segment each week where our guest picks a weight room song of the week. So it's a, a song that fires them up, something that is their, you, you know, kind of a, a song that they, they like to listen to, you know, a song that they love. Um, and I put it on a playlist on Spotify. We have our Iron Dread weight room song of the week playlist and uh, people can go on and listen to the song in their entirety. Uh, I play a little snippet of it at the end and then they can go to the playlist list, the whole thing. So Joe Cahill, my question for you is what would
3: be your choice to add to our Iron dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist?
4: And it, there's there's a lot of good songs out there to get you fired up. Jeez, uh, um, one that I, that I do like it was on a pod, it was on a
3: uh, a playlist on Spotify when I when I was going to the gym more frequently,
4: uh, and I think it was uh, Dio. I think it was um, "Rainbow in the Dark." Rainbow
3: in the dark. Yeah. And I mean, okay. there, there's other ones like there's a couple Motley Crue songs when the guitar riff comes in and it kind of gets you going. Uh, you know, they they AC/DC right? You can throw all those in there. Everybody the Metallicas and stuff. So, but I'll go I'll go I'll go Dio "Rainbow in the Dark." I know that's a little offbeat. May not be a Know your
1: song, but hey, I, I know it's one that I've never heard of and most definitely is not on the playlist. So we'll we'll check it out and we'll play a little uh snippet of it at the very end of the show uh, for people to check out and if they like it they go listen to uh to the whole whole song on uh on our play- Iron Dread Weight Room Song of the Week playlist remember you can find
4: that on Spotify or search in our show notes uh to find the link for the Iron Dread podcast Weight Room Song of the Week. All right, Joe, so we're kind of wrapping up the show here, getting, getting towards the end.
1: Um, the, the last thing that I want to ask you, and thank you for your time and being on today, um, do you have any uh, social media pages that are public uh, or professional that people can follow you?
4: Yeah, um, you know, the, the, we're on Twitter. Um, it's at Kingston underscore XCTF um we're also on instagram um with the same uh same name
3: except there's no underscore so it's just kingston xctf um those are those are our our public ones for the kids
4: and you know i i'm going to be honest that i don't i don't really pump
3: out much of my own uh wits and wisdom for the kids but it's it's more of um advertisement and publicity for you know how well our kids do and we you know we try to promote not just the athletic side of it <clears throat> but you know the academic side of it or you know if we have kids that are post-grad uh we try to do like an alumni follow-up i try to keep tabs on our alumni for their their time outside you know after khs um and then anything past that you know kids keep in touch with you and you know you you want to you want to boost them up you know, we had a, a former athlete, uh, she uh, she was just an indoor kid with us, she, you know, but she just uh, sent me a message the other day that, you know, she's down working in Long Island right now, um, but she got an interview at Vanderbilt University in their physics department. Uh, I don't know if that's the correct terminology for it, but, um, you know, she, she, she was happy about it, you know, and you'd you like to see that. So, um you know, once she gets confirmation about that, you know, that, that's stuff that I like to promote, too. It just doesn't have to be about what happened between the line.
1: Absolutely. You know, you're just celebrating the kids. And, we, you know, to kind of wrap this up, right? we talked about, you know, why guys like us get into this. And you build relationships with kids. And those relationships that you build with those kids don't stop once they are done competing for you as a, as a coach. And that's something right. that you, you continue to do. And, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why I want to have you on because I think you're a damn good coach who works hard. And uh, I hope people enjoyed your message. Folks keep up with Joe Cahill and Kingston high school track and field again, at Kingston underscore XETF on Twitter and at Kingston XCTF on Instagram. Uh, give them a shout out. If you enjoyed hearing about him on the show, Use the hashtag ID podcast
3: and tag uh, our handle at Iron Dread pod.
4: uh, Whenever you're talking about the show, Joe Cahill, I thank you for your time. I will let you get going with the rest of your day. Appreciate you. Hopefully we'll talk again soon.
3: Great, Chris. It was a great speaking with you today and thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Be safe and be well. You too, man.
1: Thanks again to Joe for stopping in. And chatting with us uh, on this episode. Uh, We're going to take a brief break for a word from our sponsors. And we'll be back with your favorite segment of the Iron Dread Podcast. And that is the Weight Room Song of the Week. Presented, as always, by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. The Iron Dread Podcast is brought to you in part by Crank It Up DJ Service and Line Dance Instruction. Available for all your DJ and line dance needs. Please visit
0: CrankItUpDJDancing.com for booking information.
2: So cranky! Hey everyone, this is Gina Hensley, Michigan State Chair of USA Powerlifting and owner of Gaioso Powerlifting. You are listening to the Iron Thread Podcast. Wu-tang again. Uh, yeah, again, and again
1: Yeah, yeah. Come on baby, baby, come on. Baby, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on. So here we are. It's time for this week's weight room song of the week presented to you as always by Crank it Up DJ Service and light dance instruction. Visit crankitupdjdancing.com for more information. This week's song chosen by our special guest, Mr. Joe Cahill is rainbow in the dark from the rock band Dio and their 1983 album and this was the second biggest hit off of that album Uh, the first one is the title track from the album that you may have heard of holy diver so Dio rainbow in the dark this week's Iron Dread weight room song of the week remember you can find this song and every song in its entirety on our iron dread weight room song of the week playlist right there on spotify look for it in the show notes or search for it on spotify so without any further ado Dio, rainbow in the dark crank it up yes this week's weight room song of the week from dio rainbow in the dark chosen by our special guest coach joe cahill again remember you could find that song in every song on our iron dread weight room song of the week playlist on spotify just search it out on spotify or find it in the show notes well folks That's all I have for you this week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us on social media at Iron Dread Pod. Subscribe to the podcast so you get episodes automatically sent to you each and every week as soon as they post. Next week, we'll be back with episode number 48 and Mr. Chuck Hopkins of the Dexter Youth Football League. So any youth football parents, coaches, or anybody interested in hearing from Chuck... You'll hear him next week right here on your Iron Dread podcast. But until then, remember, strength is never a weakness. Tough people always win. Around here, we're becoming dread stronger. I'm Chris Whitaker, signing off.